So if you're anything like Axel, you're probably on your fourth D&D campaign and are really struggling to generate new NPC names. Or maybe you're like me and you just insist on giving names to every single one of your space marines. Or maybe you're having a baby here soon and you're sick and tired of all those boring baby naming books. Well then, I suggest you pick up Naming Your Little Geek by Scott Rubin. A perfect compendium of names from all over pop culture, complete with brief character synopses, origins, and root words. A fascinating read on its own, but really useful if you're trying to find a non-pun name for your Wi-Fi. Use the link in our description below and get naming. Hello and welcome to Geeks of Grimdark. Today we're doing Bolt of Nether Bolter. Why are we calling them Bolter? Because their rapid fire only lasts about 24 to 30 minutes. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich. And I'm a shield brother, Axel Wright. I'm not going to ask you how it's going today because I already have a good inference of how it's going today. You do? <laughs> it's not going well. I mean, that's just life in general. I was, uh, <laughs> I was in a game the other day with some friends of mine and we had to bring in some strangers to fill a, a group. And one of them made a joke about, like, a thousand curses upon you. And I responded with, not like that's going to change anything. My life's still shit. Already <laughs> cursed. <laughs> Joke's on you, motherfucker. No, things are not great. How are things with you? Pretty good. I spent the day just kind of hobbying, kitbashing together a bunch of veterans raiding my bits box. And it's like, you know... The Primaris kits leave a lot to be desired in terms of fun bits, mm -hmm. but when you've been, you know, hobbying as long as I have, the bits box makes up the difference. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been trying to put... To, well, I've got a bunch of sprues that I've been slowly cutting the pieces off and putting into bags, so I've got my own bits box foreman. I did manage to play a game of Warhammer on last Saturday... Sunday? Saturday. Yeah, I did a... My sisters versus my friends Votan, and it was very close. I tabled him at the bottom of round three. I went and did my first uh, Warhammer tournament and got stomped turn one. Yeah, that'll happen. I mean, in my defense, there was a miscommunication, I believe, in between me and my opponent. Yeah. I thought this was a narrative tournament, so I built my list narratively. He thought it was a tournament tournament. He built his list tournamently. And it was a lot of fun, what a lot was of he, hanging out. What was he playing? Uh, Death Guard. Death Guard. Okay. Not bad, but did again... He put the, uh, did he put the lawnmower into you? No, he just rocked up with like four Plague Burst Crawlers. Ah, a vehicle-heavy list. Okay. Yeah, and I just like, oh, this will be a fun narrative one. I'll just bring my one executioner. And he's like, oh, there's the only thing that could hurt me? I'm going to take that out turn one. I'm like, oh, well, this is a bit of an uphill battle now. <laughs> yeah, I, I eventually do want to play in tournaments, but I got to paint before then, and that rarely happens. And I have trouble with motivation, especially right now. So I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I can say I've done it. I can say it's not my thing. Uh, the highlight was I had this one guy walk up to me. He's like, you know, your hair was, did you do that on purpose to look like a dwarf? Or is that just a fun accident? <laughs> and I laughed and said, no, no, it's a fun accident. Like, okay, cool. Cause like first thing I thought when I walked is like, holy shit, we got a dwarf here. And, uh, I didn't want to say anything to you cause I didn't want to end up in your book of grudges. <laughs> Going in the book. And I just laughed my ass off. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm like 
four and a half feet too tall to be a dwarf. He's like, it's not about the height, it's about the mindset. I'm like, okay, you have a point. That's fair. Okay, what are we talking about today? So today, I don't know, this is this is a fun one to me, but Warhammer, specifically Black Library books, they're pulp. We're not going to argue they're not. Mm-hmm. But I also feel it's kind of disparaging to call them just pulp because a lot of times they go above and beyond that and we get some really incredible stories. So in a real quick thing, we're just going to talk about the little things that Warhammer does to elevate its pulpiness, you know? Hmm. I, you know, it's funny because I looked at the definition of pulp when it comes to fiction, and at least according to Oxford Dictionary, popular or sensational writing that is generally regarded as being of poor quality. And I really don't, and I really don't like that second half because I feel like my stance in this particular conversation already is that Warhammer doesn't elevate pulp, but I don't think pulp is of bad quality. I think it's more of a tone thing when it comes to its genre. No, see, I always have in the back of my mind that pulp in, you know, Warhammer, it's like, yeah, no, it's it's pulpy. It, it's not good. And it's like, that that's not fair. Yeah, like it's Indiana Jones true. is the definition of pulp, and it has two amazing movies. Yeah. Plus, I don't want to go to the other side and call go into the whole, yes, no, the lore is so deep and extensive and serious. Like, it, it's not really, it's deep i don't know if it's you know deep in the way you think it is but yeah but say, i also be careful don't like that because like the lore is amazing and is expansive yes. i do think that it is more varied than a lot of people give it credit for like it can oh, be yes. silly it can be dark but it's yes. it's not just one thing yes it's more you know when people say the lore is deep they're using the capital d deep not you know like it's very serious and you should take it seriously like no yeah. you shouldn't i i read something today i didn't i didn't delve deep into it so i have no idea if it was valid so take this with a big grain of salt but that the writers for warhammer fantasy at least were basically told to to not worry about things like you know continuity necessarily and that just oh, yeah. worry about things within additions and that that allowed them to have freedom i wouldn't be surprised well, it shows <laughs> yeah and I would be surprised if something similar happened with 40K. I know we've, we've spoken with a writer for for 40K on two separate occasions, and you know, get the impression that's not quite what was going on, with at least with the Heresy books, but I bet when it comes to edition narrative stuff, it's still kind of that, where it's like, just oh, what a reading, good stories. Reading a lot of old fantasy, it's like, this isn't even true to the edition you're in. <laughs> oh, well, doesn't matter. Story's still good. It's just, you know... No, in 40K, I don't know, 40K takes itself too seriously for its own good, but that's a whole other topic. Yeah, I but, do think that that's a weird double, or it's kind of an Ouroboros that feeds into itself, but yep. yeah, different conversation, I guess. So when it comes to, when I think about pulp, what it means to me, and I just read, you know, a dictionary definition, so I'm, I guess I'm going against that, but pulp to me is more like, a way to define a certain type of adventure narrative or adventure story that yeah. involves a certain amount of eye-winking, a certain amount of, like, fun, specifically, like, trying to uh, have characters have fun with what they're doing, even when they're in dangerous situations, enough so that the audience can... Like, there's usually not a whole lot of tension in Pulp. Like, there might be some, but it's not... It's not like a thriller, right? It's... 
So when I think about that kind of concept, you know, the Black Library books that we've read, so well, hell, the the Orc Black Library book, Brutal Cunning, is a perfect example because it's entrenched in the concept of fun. <laughs> there are plenty like that. There's just fun consumable this isn't gonna you know touch any deep emotions this isn't gonna make you think anything more than boy this sure is fun and a lot of warhammers like that yeah and it's funny because the way you just said deep emotions i do think that pulp has a tendency to be for lack of a better term shallow but i'm not using that as a negative normally that word would always be a negative but it's more like pulp understands generally pulp fiction not the movie the genre understands the the kind of story and feeling that it's trying to tell and evoke and that usually doesn't involve like deep empathetic explorations of of character psychology there can be some but that's not you know par for the course the idea is the novels are disposable i mean originally these were dime store novels that you would read and leave on a train because the uh, because another definition of pulp is crush into soft shapeless mass or a soft yep. wet shapeless mass of material so calling something pulp fiction is basically saying this is meant to be read and then pulped yep and i mean again that's what a lot of people think of when they think of warhammer yeah. but as we've seen i mean heresies I don't know if Heresy is a great example because it is written with a sense of grandioseness to it, which you could still have, but it's well-written and there are genuinely good characters. I mean, look at the debates we had during Horus Rising over whether uh, Carcassi's uh, motivation was correct in what he did. Yeah. I really like having Chris along for the ride there. I I wish he would still join us along for the following books, but busy man. I get it. Yeah. But I mean, there's parts in that books, or where we talk, or the betrayal we felt when Horus kind of slipped and goes like, "No, no, I'm going evil." We're like, "Oh, that genuinely hurts." That is not done from a lack of character depth or actually trying to make a character. If it were, then we would have just Horus would have just gone evil, or any of the shit we'll get to later with Angron or Perturabo or any of the other characters. That's kind of where Warhammer steps in and elevates. Like, no, no, I'm. Just go, I'm going to make them characters. I'm going to give them motivations. I'm well, going to give them stories. I'm going to make an element of tragedy to them. Well, here, here's what I will say definitely what a fundamental difference between true pulp fiction and and Warhammer and also things that just ape pulp fiction, essentially. True pulp fiction back in the you know 30s and 40s and stuff was generally written by journeymen who were getting paid by the word. And they were going into, like, newspapers or magazines, and they didn't really care about what they were writing. I mean, there are exceptions, but the general idea seems to be, from what little research I've done, that most of these writers considered what they were doing to be, if not beneath them, just just a job, a paycheck. There wasn't necessarily passion for it. Again, I'm sure you can find exceptions. But Warhammer... At this point, especially because it's now had, let's see, War- Warhammer 40k has been around since what the mid 80s. So that yes. makes it 40, yeah, almost three generations old. Because a generation is generally like 15 years, so it's something like that. Maybe maybe it is 45 years. I don't know. Something. Like Point is, I think we had the, we celebrated the 40th anniversary of Warhammer. I don't recall exactly. Because it's uh, at the time of recording, we're now in 2024. 40 years ago would have been 1984. Original Rogue Trader was 
was right around that time, wasn't it? Because Warhammer Fantasy was eighty, what eighty one or eighty two? I don't know my like dates. Eighty two, I think. Anyway, but as we're forty years on, fantasy. we've had people who literally grew up with it. So maybe the original writers might have been in the same kind of category. Oh, the Ian Watson stuff is pulpy, trashy garbage. Yeah, have been in the same kind of category as the original pulp writers who basically were just writing for a paycheck. But then we got people who literally grew up loving the stuff who then got hired and then did write... Like, they may have been writing from a story base that came from pulp, but they were writing with conviction and passion for things they cared about. And, again, not that something that is pulpy can't come from that but if we're talking about the true definition of that that's that's the important distinction i think which is the mentality that the writer is coming at the material from there's also an irony like when we talked to uh graham mcneil about what has motivated him to be an author it was that he read a really pulpy fantasy book and his immediate reaction was i can do better than that and he <laughs> did well it's funny because you know when i think about creatives who got really big who were inspired by pulp. I mean, George Lucas is the first thing that comes to mind. The guy's yep. basically every successful film that he made, except for maybe American Graffiti, which I think is literally overlooked far too often. But he was... Like, he doesn't hide the fact that his inspiration were 1930s and 40s pulp stories. <laughs> yep, that's why Indiana Jones is as problematic as it is. Yes, I still love Indiana Jones, but I'm not going to... Anyway, but even Star Wars itself is, is basically a big pulp. Like... I would never take away from the monumental achievement that is the original Star Wars, and I do think it's actually a a, a deceptively well-crafted movie, part of that is because of George Lucas' wife, but another conversation. But it's still, you know, it's a pulp story. <laughs> yeah, and I think, like, one of the most best recent example I can think of of what is the elevation of, or kind of the blending of the two, is I recently read... Uh, the Krieg novel, and I, I wish I had the author's name to hand, but I don't. And it's split in two parts. One part is an Imperial Guard story where the Krieg is reinforcing these Cadians, and they're fighting on this hive world against orcs. And it's very boilerplate, pulpy, you know, and then they shot, and then they fought, and then they did the things, and boy, these Krieg guys sure are weird. Man, I still, I'll say it again and again, I want Krieg to be the new default Imperial Guard. Oh, tell me about it. But the other half of the story was like, hey, let's chronicle the Civil War on Krieg and how that played out. And we're going to follow Colonel Jerton, the guy that led this. And it kind of goes, the story goes on and goes through. It's just like, yeah, you're going to be reading for Colonel Jerton. He was this big heroic guy. And as time goes on, and like, and they're like, oh, he was a psychopath. Like, just so hell-bent and firm to his belief that he was right, that he was willing to kill everyone rather than admit he was wrong. Yeah. Well, it, right, I've read at this point, I've read two novels set in the 42nd millennium, or 41st millennium, and I've read, what novel are we on in the Horus Heresy 6? We are on book 6, Legion. Yeah, yeah. So I've now read five and working on my sixth book in the 31st millennium. And... I feel like, at least, especially the Heresy books, but I did love the two, you know, 40k books I actually read, but the Heresy books feel like they were written with purpose. Like, they are adventure stories, in a sense, but 
they are you can tell that there's a greater plan in motion now admittedly that's because the heresy existed as a concept before these books were started writing so they're working off of a specific kind of template but that's what makes them not feel disposable when you read the the trilogy of that original story following Loken, you feel like you're following something that is gonna you know stick with you like i might Right, I might right now feel like Fly of the Eisenstein is maybe a little disposable, but I know that Nathaniel Garrow is a big deal, and so I probably won't think that later on. Fulgrim definitely didn't feel that way. Uh, yeah, Fulgrim's got some real glimpse into insanity and obsession. Yeah, point is, like, I've, I've loved movies and books and stuff that I read them, and were like, oh yeah, that was fun, but I'm probably not going to think about it again. I've been making my... My list of my favorite movies of every movie I've ever seen, and you know how many movies I just forget exist, and then someone brings them up, like, "Oh yeah, that was pretty good." Didn't stick with me, but it was fun, and so that's I feel like that's one of the key differences. And I am positive that in the vast Black Library catalog, there are some books that fall into that category more so. Oh, I would the majority of it is fun action pulp. Yeah, like I would argue that the the Cult of the War Mason which I read, falls into this category. But admittedly, it also really dicked over the sisters. They get dicked over in the fiction a lot, and that kind of held me against it. But the heresy didn't feel that way. And when I look at the narratives in the books, most of the time, they don't feel like they're... It's like a fundamentally different thing. It's more setting. It's just all setting. And that's fine. Yeah. It's just it's a different purpose. And I think... The Heresy is a great example of where Warhammer elevates Pope because I was talking with somebody recently and they're like, man, why does it feel like the character work in Heresy is so much better in 40k? And I said, because the story's already told, so these characters get to die. True. I would argue, though, that I mean, I, I read two 40k novels and both of them involve Imperium getting its ass handed to it and plenty of named characters dying, but they're not like, you know, characters from the edition books. So yeah, when you when you like, have when you have a massive setting and you can write books that take place on planets that don't affect the overall thing, you can totally make and kill characters at will. Yeah, but it's not the same like when Targadon died at the end of Galaxy in Flames. We were both like, oh no, not yeah. no. There's also the way he died, but yes, because we had three. Again, they had three books to build this character up, and the heresy is full of that. Like they can keep coming back and reoccurring these characters. Like, oh well, you're gonna die anyway, so I'm gonna have you die here. No, five twenty books and all this shit to die here. This poor ignominious death, or we can come back to characters we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, and that I think is the best example. Heresy is elevating, for as much as I hate that word. Because yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't agree that it's elevating. I think it's serving a different function. Yes, and I don't like elevating, but we'll use elevating here because it's like, hey, we have a longer format to tell these stories. We have a bigger cast of characters to play with, and there's no management mandate that says this character is off limits. You cannot touch them. You cannot kill them, except because, you know, they're one, they're already dead. I mean, the only ones that really have that are the Primarchs, but even the Primarchs get dicked over in fun and interesting ways. Yeah. But no, I, I would say if at, at the core of the conversation that I, I basically already repeat, said this, but to me that the key distinction between what we actually refer to as pulp stories and what I've experienced with Warhammer since 
I got into the hobby back in 2020. Actually, I've been into the lore since like 2014, but I got in the hobby hard in 2020. Is that idea of it doesn't feel disposable. A lot of it doesn't feel disposable, but the even the ones that feel disposable, like those are pulp. I I wouldn't say there's any any different, but that's that's okay because they're serving a different. There, I mean, there is pulp, but there there are ones that kind of make you go, huh? Yeah, that, so that's I, interesting. I, like Warhammer in general is, I feel like I can't say it's just a setting or just a story or just a, you know, a game. It's it's a, you know, it's an intellectual property. I don't really have a different word for it. So it can be a bunch of things. It can be a pulp game. It can or a pulp story. It can be a you know, drama, it, it can be a long-form soap opera-y kind of thing. It could also be a ridiculous, uh, like, loot-and-shooter jokey thing like it was in Blood, Shooters, and Teeth game. Like, yep. it's malleable. And if anything, when we talk about these people who take it too seriously, among other things, the, my main problem with that is trying to put Warhammer in a box that I don't yep. think it fits in. I feel that way with everyone. Like all of Warhammer is a joke, or all of Warhammer is super grim and serious. I'm like, it can you're, be both. You're just seeing a fraction of it. Yeah, it can be both. In it, it can be both at the same both. time. And... At the same time, that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Is orcs are a great example. They can be fucking terrifying, or they can be the butt of the joke, or they can be both at the same time. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't have any more to add to that. This particular convo. That's my piece. Yeah, no, there isn't much really to say. If you want the condensed version, Warhammer manages to elevate pulp by having authors that are deeply invested in the characters in the world, so they want to build and tell these stories. And by generally not being limited to one particular type of genre. Yeah. All right, well, that's it. Thank you for Thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things so that we can share this Warhammer goodness with your friends. Whatever platform you're currently listening to this on, thank you for doing that. And if there's a platform you'd rather us be on, then tell us about it. And if it's feasible, we'll make it happen. As always, this has been Lord Commander Auric. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. And remember, if the old world fails, it's not because Games Workshop gouged you on 20-year-old models. It's because you should have bought more of those 20-year-old models.